You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Um, If you would um, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 1. Um, this has been my month to teach, but this is my first week of actually teaching. I think we were out of town for a couple of Sundays, and the academy was here, and so I appreciate those who filled in and truly appreciated what the academy did last week. It was just, uh, wow, what, a, what an incredible thing they, they're doing. And um, I, was, I texted um, Jesse, the, the leader, this week, um, I think it was yesterday or Friday, and just you know, let him know we're still praying for him. And, and he said they had done a camp meeting and they had over 50 kids except the Lord. Amen. So, true blessing. Um, this, this week's lesson, um, you would think I would have had it well prepared and had a, had a direction. I, and I thought I did from, from the beginning of the month and I kept working toward it and kept working toward it. And I had this, what I thought was a really good outline of a lesson that, that, I, could, that I could teach over several weeks. And... Um, but it just, I seemed to be hitting a roadblock after roadblock. Just, I couldn't, I had, the outline was there, but I couldn't flesh it out. And, I, and Lord, I think it was the Lord just telling me I needed to do something different. So I set that one aside. Um, and through some conversations this week, um, the Lord led me in a different direction. And I started going back through some of the old Sunday school lessons I've taught in the past. And um, I've taken bits and pieces from different ones um, that all kind of pertain to what I, what I was experiencing this week and what several other people around me were just talking about. And that is, um, do we live our lives here in church the same way we live outside? Do we, are we the same people at, at work that we are in church? Are we, um, are we walking? Um, I think but when I taught back in January, I talked about walking according to the high calling. And I kind of went back over those notes a little bit, but I didn't pull much from that. I really wanted to focus in this in Psalm one. It's a it's a very familiar psalm, and um, the Lord has has led me to to this point. Um, and I just felt really convicted at, that there's many times when we kind of leave our walk with the Lord here at church, and then we go out in the world, and and there's not a lot of difference between us and the and the folks that we're around every day that that don't know the Lord. And truly, this is a, is a type of hypocrisy, and, and that kind of hypocrisy can do a lot of damage to the name of Christ. And I think it probably is one of the things that most damages the name of Christ. So, um, if you're in there in, in Psalm 1, I'm just going to read, read it here. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today. God, I come before you in humility and gratitude for all that you are. You're the amazing creator God who spoke worlds and galaxies into existence. 
that you will allow us and you desire us to come into your presence, to have a personal relationship with you. Lord, right now I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to share what you've been showing me, what you've been teaching me, what you've been convicting me of, to share that with your people. Lord, it's a heavy responsibility, and God, I don't take it lightly. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit and just get me out of the way so that what I say here is, is what you would have. Pray that it would be useful, that it would be convicting, and that we will take it beyond the doors of the church today. I pray that you would help us to walk according to your purposes in every situation, no matter where we are. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. So as we look at this text, it's very familiar to us. Um, I think it's probably one of the first Bible verses I learned as a kid. Um, and I just want to look at ourselves in the light of what's shown to us in this passage. And I really hope that um, the Lord will touch you the, way, the same way that he's touched me and that, we'll, that we'll, together we'll be able to evaluate our lives through the lens of this chapter. And it's interesting that he starts out with the word blessed. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So when we look at that first part, blessed, what does it mean in the scriptures to be blessed? And I think many times we think about blessing, we look at the physical aspects of our lives. I think in some ways our view of blessing has been tainted by the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that if we're being, if, we're, if we have lots of physical things, if, if, we're, if we have a lot of, of things, God's blessing us. But I want to challenge that today. I think, I think God can and does bless through temporal gifts, but I think there's much more, and I think there's many deeper types of blessing. And there are blessings that money can't buy. I found a definition that says, who are the blessed? The blessed are those who have entered into a covenant relationship with God by faith. They are being instructed in his word and walk in submission to it. Consequently, their lives are marked by peace, hope, joy, and fruitfulness with regard to their character and their deeds. I think this is a really good, a very good, concise definition of the word blessed. And I'm going to just start asking a lot of questions. I want you to consider them as a challenge. Do, do these questions that I'm going to ask, do they describe you? Do they, and I'm asking myself, do they describe me? Is, is what I'm saying, does, that, does it describe you? Have you entered into a covenant relationship with God through faith in his son? Do you cling to his son? Do you fall on him when you're in trouble? Is his son your only hope? Is that true of you? Are you being instructed in his word? I know that we receive great teaching, great instructions from our pastor, but I believe it's much more than that. Are you personally being instructed consistently by the word of God? Are you consistently saturating yourself in the word of God? Are you leaning on the word of God personally and privately? Is that you? Are you living, holding on tenaciously to God's word? Is the word of God your go-to before Facebook, before your friends, before Google? Do you have a relationship with God's word? Are you consistently growing in your knowledge of God's word? Do you consciously and intentionally walk in submission 
to his word. Is the word in your mind so that daily you're seeking to purposefully and consciously submit to it? It's a conscious decision to submit to God's word or not. To have it be a great influence in your life or not. Are you doing this? And is your life marked by the blessings of a blessed man, a blessed woman? And that's where we go into the next part of that definition. It said, consequently, their lives are marked by peace, hope, joy, and fruitfulness with regard to their character and deeds. Marked by peace. Have you ever thought about how precious it is that you have peace with an almighty God? That's an amazing thing. We are at enmity with him, and now, through his son, we have peace. Do you have the peace of God in the midst of turmoil and chaos that swirls around you? That's why I think that song just touched me so much. In the midst of a storm. We're not like those who have no God, no hope, no strength, who have only themselves to rely on. If I, had, if I only had myself to rely on, I can't imagine where I would be. But we do. We have one on whom we can rely. Do you have peace in the midst of turmoil because of your knowledge of him and who he is? So I'm excited that pastor is going to be teaching on one of the attributes of God, his immutability today. That's a, just, again, I think many, many times when I teach, I, just, I always go back to the attributes of God because of who God is, we know that he is faithful. He's able to answer any prayer that we bring before him. We, any challenge that, that seems insurmountable to us, it's nothing to him. So do, we have, do you have peace in the midst of the turmoil because of your knowledge of him and who he is? That's what's going to set us apart from those around us, especially when we're in the world. When, something's, when something goes wrong, do we respond like those around us would, or do we respond in the peace of, the, of God in the face of trouble, knowing that we serve a God who is in control of all things, including whatever current circumstance we have. So peace. Consequently, their lives are marked by peace, hope, joy, and fruitfulness with regard to their character and deeds. Hope. Do you have hope? Or does it not matter? We live in such a life of luxury compared to most of the world, we have lost perspective, I think, of our need for hope especially for hope on God. When things are easy, we tend, to, we tend not to worry too much about having hope. We don't need it. And I always, this, whenever, I, whenever I think on this, there's always the example that comes to my mind. I think about after the attacks on the World Trade Center. Everybody felt hopeless. We didn't know what was happening. We knew that, you know, that our, our nation had been attacked, that, that there was just, but there was this kind of sense of hopelessness in the situation, and the churches were full. Because people needed hope, and they knew it could be found in Christ. So do you have hope? Have you learned enough from Scripture to know that you're mortal, that your life could change drastically in a second? So with hope, you come to that realization that your only hope is in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Do you hope for the future, for resurrection, to be with him in eternity? So peace and hope, their lives are marked by peace, hope, joy, fruitfulness with regard to their character and deeds. Do you have joy? 
not fun, not physical excitement, but have you ever thought about Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary with joy? You're joyful over it when you were saved. Is, this, is the good news still really good news to you? Have you really tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Do you have joy at the name of Jesus? Do you truly love to hear the story? Can you say with the, I slightly changed the words of this hymn, but I love to hear the story for those who knew it, for those who know it best, seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. And when in scenes of glory, I sing the new, new song, twill be the old, old story that I have loved so long. That's what joy is about. Joy at the mention of his name. So peace, hope, and joy. Their lives are marked by peace, hope, joy, and fruitfulness with regard to their character and their deeds. Fruitfulness. Are you intentionally and purposefully seeking to bear fruit for him? Or, it is, or is it all about you and your plans? Would someone look at you and say that you are fruitful for Christ? Are you appearing to be more like Jesus? Are you helping those around you, lifting up those who need to be lifted up? Are you speaking as he would speak, acting as he would act? All Christians bear fruit, no matter their spiritual age. Just because you have it nailed down, Jesus rose and, and died and rose again, doesn't mean you're a Christian. But are you bearing fruit with regard to your character and your deeds? Do those around you know that you're a Christian? Does your conversation, to use that biblical word, does your conversation, your way of life, reflect that to those around you? Does your speech match the speech of a Christian? Do your actions match those of a Christian? If someone spent a day with you at work, would they notice a real difference between you and those who do not have the name Christian? Are you a Christian? Are you, as a Christian, conscious of your blessed state? So many of us walk in condemnation and guilt and fear because we don't understand the magnitude of the work that Jesus Christ did on our behalf. It's our birthright to be blessed. We're, we're adopted. We have, the birth, we have the same birthright as Christ. And to have a sense of being blessed. It's not a journey to get there, to get to that point of having that birthright. You get there by acknowledging what God has already done for you. Not by reaching some set level of spirituality. You're blessed because of him. And that's your motivation. That should be what drives you. That gives you energy. Blessed is the man. Am I blessed? Are you blessed? Do we have a sense of blessing? If not, we need to stop right here and get an understanding of the one on whom we're relying for that blessing. What he has already, already done for us. That's our motivation. That's what should drive us to reflect him in our own lives. How many times have we read that verse and memorized it? Like I said, I think that was one of the very first verses. I, that's one of the first verses I can remember memorizing as a child. How many times have we read it, heard it, and really not stopped to think about that? Is this me? If it's not, I've got to look for where the problem lies and repent of not reflecting my blessed state to those around me. 
the, the chapter goes on and it starts talking about some of the characteristics of the blessed. There's both, a positive, there's both positive and negative. There's things that they do and things that they do not do. What they do not do. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. They do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They don't stand in the path, in the way or the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. It's a written progression. Do you see it? First, there's the coming under the influence of the ungodly, the wicked, starting to hear them and listening to their voice. Then begins the acceptance of the lifestyle of the wicked, beginning to move down the same path with them, the way of sinners joining them in their lifestyle, in their way of conversation, their, the way they talk, the way they act, the way they dress, what they listen to. Finally, a scornful spirit takes, go, takes over, and the one who is on this path joins the wicked in their scorn and their mocking of righteousness. How does this describe you? Take an inventory, sit down, and ask yourself, as I did, some, and it was, it was sobering in some ways, that you, really, you just take these tiny little steps and you allow certain things to creep into your life, and before you realize it, you've progressed down that path. So ask yourself, are there any influences of the wicked in your life that need to be removed? Do you allow the world to give you counsel through media, entertainment, movies, music, friends, literature, searching things online? Do you allow yourself to think, speak, and act like those in the world? If there's something drawing you away from God, you've got to get away from it. Get away from those things that are pulling you down that path. That, that are counseling you in the, wrong, in the wrong way. And like I said, uh, you've got to be careful with this because it's easy to fool yourself. You think that you're, doing, that you're doing everything right, but you have to stop and take that evaluation of yourself. You can, you can kind of start fooling yourself, telling yourself, this thing isn't really drawing me away from God. But that, the evaluation has to be objective. The measuring stick has to be the truth. You have to evaluate it in the light of God's word. So are there areas in your life where you have accepted the lifestyle of the wicked? Would your lifestyle, how you speak, what you wear, the things you do, would, you, would it bring you under any scrutiny by those who don't love God? Or would they gladly join in with you on this path that you're now walking? Not only influences, but what influences have so affected your thinking that you've act, actually adopted the attitudes, the thoughts, the deeds, the speech that you've that you see around you in the world. And the most obvious ways those come in, again, are through media and entertainment. Clothing, physical relationships, all of those things are influenced by what we see around us. And they can easily start us down, walking down that path of the wicked. Finally, sitting in the seat of the scornful. Do you look with disdain or scorn on those who walk act and live with greater circumspection and caution than you do, with greater strictness to the law of God than you do? Once you start down the path of thinking, speaking, and acting like the world, it's a short trip to becoming a full-blown scoffer and a mocker. Just evaluate that in the light of, of God's word and, and take a serious look. Now the positive description of the blessed. What do the blessed do? But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
there are times when I find myself not delighting in the Word of God. And I, again, have to ask myself, why? Is it because I'm allowing those thoughts, words, and actions that I just described to hinder my relationship with God? If so, it's time for me to repent. If, this, if that describes you, it's time for you to repent. Get those things out of my life so that I can truly delight in his law. But here we see that the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. The word of God brings him pleasure. The commandments of God brings him pleasure. The people of God see the, see the law of God as good, not burdensome. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. Do you delight in the law of God? And if your answer is yes, then the response should be prove it. How do you prove it? By meditating in the word of God day and night. There have been people down through, throughout history, through the ages, that have been mightily used of God. A major common theme in their lives was prayer and this meditation, meditating in the word of God day and night. If you're not meditating on the law of the Lord, you're not delighting in his word. So what is meditation? You read it, you think on it, you consider its application in, in your life, and then you apply it to your life. I think, of, I think of it, I think pastors described it this way, like a cow's stomach. The cow takes the hay, chews it up, and swallows it. That's that first reading, reading the word of God. Then he brings it back up and chews on it some more. That's the thinking on it. Doing, you know, what, how, does this, how can this apply? Swallows it down, brings it up again. Considering more and more, how, how, can this, how can I really put this to practice in my life? And then again, one more time, bring it up one more time and really truly apply it to my life. Every time that cow is chewing on that hay, Every time it brings it up, it's drawing more and more nutrition out of it over and over again. And it's the same idea, going over and over the word, drawing everything that we can from it each time that we go over it, each time that we go over it, reading it and thinking on it. If you please turn to John 15. Meditation, though, isn't the goal. Bible study isn't the goal. It's the means to the true goal of being conformed to Christ and fruitfulness in our Christian life. We meditate to understand and to be empowered to obey him and to bear fruit. I'm going to start in John, John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, he and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I'm going to skip down to verse 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Do you see that? Abiding in him and his words in us through meditation. Then we can bring him glory by bearing much fruit. And you can see the meditation, the abiding isn't the goal. It's the bearing of fruit for him that's the goal. If you're struggling with spiritual power, look at how you're doing with meditating, ruminating on the word of God, going over it and over it again to pull from it the spiritual nutrition you need. The day and night means day and night. It carries the idea of a dependence, a continuity, consistency, a life's practice. The idea is that it becomes such a part of our lives, it becomes as natural as breathing. You don't have to think about each breath you take. 
because it's natural. The day and night becomes, means that it's, just, it's become natural to us. It is part of who we are. Does that describe you? Does it describe me? I hope that some of you, like me, can say, I'm not delighting in the law of the, of the Lord in the way I ought to. So how do we get out of this? The first step is recognizing your shortcoming, your failure in this area, and repent of it. Asking God for forgiveness and then turning away from the pattern of not delighting in his word. Overcome it by sitting down strategically and saying, this is where I am. I'm not doing this, but this is where I want to be. I have to seriously change things. God gives us the strength to do that. We need to pray about it. So I'm going to, with God's help, I'm going to discipline myself to do this. You don't have to have special talent or gifting. You just have to have the desire to, to be, to, to live in this way, to meditate on God's word. Also, it's important to recognize our need. You can't, I can't live the Christian life without my life being saturated with the word of God. You can't bear fruit without the word of God. It's not possible. You can't be a good husband, a good wife, a good child, a good father, a good mother, a good friend, a good employer, a good employee, a good anyone apart from saturating yourself, saturating your life in the Bible. You can't be like Christ without the word. And then recognize this truth. You're either spiraling upward or you're spiraling downward. The more you study the scriptures, the easier it becomes. The more you'll get out of it and it becomes a cycle of improvement and growth. If you're not studying, the opposite is true. The less you do it, the harder it becomes to do. So begin to consume the scriptures as a matter of sheer discipline. Just make a decision to do it. Even if it's hard at first, and it may be a struggle at first, do it because you must. What starts out as sheer determination and simple obedience will, will turn into desire. Start off with this. It's a must, and I'm going to do it. Be intentional. You have to have a strategy to succeed. Find out what your capacity is. Read as much as you're able. Meditate on what the Lord shows you. Read the word for change. Read and enjoy the Bible. When I say read the word for change, that's what, what, how can I put this to practice in my life and to change my life for, to be more like Christ? As you're reading, ask serious questions about you. How does this apply to you in your life right now? Read and then listen to what the Spirit's telling you and then ask the Lord questions. Ask him to help you in these areas. Start out memorizing some specific scriptures, scriptures that you need the most right now, what you need to live right now in this moment. If you're struggling with overcoming a particular sin, find scripture related to that, to overcoming that sin and memorize those. If you're discouraged, find scriptures that are encouraging and memorize those. Another important thing is to get someone that you, that you trust to hold you accountable to it, to ask you, how are you doing with your scripture reading and how are you doing with meditation? That's what our brothers and sisters in Christ are here for. That's what we're here for. We're here to help each other grow in the Christian life. Verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. If you're firmly planted in the word, your roots are dug deeply into the word, you'll be like that tree on the, that's on the bank of the river because its taproot is deep into the water. It's able to bring forth its fruit in the proper season. And it's important to know that, that there are seasons of fruit. Not every season will be full of fruit. 
But during those times of unfruitfulness, this tree is still drawing up water and nutrients from the soil, strengthening, growing to be able to handle even larger yields of fruit. So too, regardless of the season, we need to be drawing on the, word, the water and the spiritual nutrition of the word and immersing ourselves in it. Meditating, even if only out of determination and obedience, will turn to delight and desire in their season. His leaf shall not wither, because he is continually drawing upon the water and nutrition of the word. He has life, he doesn't wither. It's real, it's genuine, and it can be seen by those around. He is different from the world in which he is traveling. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. He has a keen understanding of God's will and purpose, and he's empowered to carry it out. That leads to prosperity. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.